listening to It's Complicated with your hosts, Jennifer Golden and Lauren Leonelli. Hello, Master Daters. Welcome back for another episode of It's Complicated. The struggle is real when you're dating in the city. I'm Jen. And I'm Lauren. And we're your resident best friends, here to help you along your relationship journey. You can feel free to think of us as your very own fun fairies, bringing joy to the process and sprinkling love dust all over the place because it takes a village and we're your community. And you can find us at It's Complicated Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell a friend. Please share, you guys. It's helpful. It shows that we have a loyal and growing audience. And then it allows us to bring you fabulous offers. It keeps the lights on for us here to keep running the show and contributing to the village. I've been working really hard to make something of 2020 from keeping love alive by virtual dating and socially distant dates to learning French, to mini trips and staycations whenever safely possible, and anything else I can think of to make this year much more normal while, again, being safe. One thing I added to my list is to buy my first home, though I always thought that is out of the question as a single person with, you know, one income, and it just sounds like major adulting. I've actually made it a top priority for this year because it's the one thing I can really do for myself. And, you know, in a world where you have very little control, such as 2020, I feel like that's something I can put my mind to. And also I've got friends that have been doing it. So why should I let my singledom stop me from doing something that apparently all my friends are doing. So if they can do it, I too can do it. I actually got approved for a loan and knowing I can afford something on my own has actually added an extra filter to my dating process because like, hello, if I can do it, for instance, maybe they're a homeowner or they aspire to be in the very near future. They're not living in a house with five roommates and being really impractical with their funds and irresponsible. So I'm on the hunt. I think it's a natural process really because like, you got a dog and now the next thing you're growing into is wanting to buy a home. And I think it's natural for you to want to date somebody on that level too. So it's just growth that's organic for you. And it's been taking this path that's been flowing like really, like we said, naturally. And I think it's a good place for you to be right now. Well, thanks. And so we are very excited to have entrepreneur, wife, mom, investor, and real estate agent Michelle Crochet in to discuss the key to a successful marriage, why singles should invest in property and themselves, and why couples need to get real when purchasing real estate. As a realtor, Michelle is an advocate for educating and empowering both her seller and buyer clients through the transaction. It's her core focus to clarify all parts of the process so that her clients understand their options, have the ability to make the best choices for themselves, and have a positive experience from start to finish. So Michelle graduated in 2003 from UC Berkeley with a Bachelor of Science from the Haas School of Business and a minor in Italian Studies. She is a dual U.S. Italian citizen and speaks fluent Italian. She previously founded and operated a specialty food confectionery brand in Los Angeles called Droga Chocolates. Michelle is a real estate investor as well, including buy and hold properties as well as flips. Aside from work, Michelle focuses on her husband and two young children, cooking, traveling, reading, and she loves her vintage car. How cute. 
She's an expert in real estate, and she is the key to keeping it real with her mate. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. First and foremost, how are you doing? And we need to ask you that. How are you doing? I'm coping. I feel as best as possible. I'm healthy. I've not, you know, been exposed to coronavirus, so I'm grateful for that. And we started homeschooling our son in kindergarten yesterday, so there's a whole new reality happening. But I feel like it's just reimagining everything in your life. And so being open to change is the key component. Oh, yeah. Being open to change in every aspect, like obviously your at-home life, your professional life, your love life, like everything sort of is different because even though like, for example, you live at home with your husband, like somebody who's single might be like, well, for me, it's a little different because now I'm not meeting people out and I can't go out and be around people I don't know that I want to like welcome into my life. But like for you and your husband, it could look a little different too, because you are at home a lot. Maybe there's like, you need a little time apart to like, I don't know, just have me time or like going out and doing a date night. It looks different. So I'm sure that's like reimagining that as well. Everything, everything. I, yeah, I can imagine there's like, whether you're single or married right now, you just have to like figure out new solutions. And I think that's a mindset. So like, uh, we did something that we never thought we were going to do, which we, we got an au pair. So we have someone living in our house with us, but we were like, okay, that's a little inconvenient. But at the on the other end, like it's a huge lifesaver too. And so, um, you know, and then we like got away for a weekend and I was a little nervous about going out and kind of ex- getting out into the world and the public. But at the end, it was like much more in my head. As soon as we went to this hotel, like it felt very safe. They were taking so many protocols, like very few people were actually there. So it felt good to kind of like take a little calculated risk and um, just trust myself and trust that we could be safe in these times. So I think, yeah, it's like you have to make a new decision every time and like how you want to approach normal things. So speaking of approaching normal things, when hiring an au pair, do you have to COVID test them? Do you take their temperature? every like, Like, I guess if they live with you, you know that they're not seeing other people, but do you have conversations about when they leave the house and and how they actually are careful because they're obviously going to come back to the house and be around your family. Yeah. I mean, we really kind of are approaching it like she's another family member and we know that she doesn't want to get sick and that we trust through conversations that she's taking precautions just like we are. I mean, I think it would be hypocritical for us to say, you know, you can't ever leave. And then she sees us going away for the weekend or just going to the store or, you know, we have our trusty little like small group of friends that like two two other couples that we kind of do backyard hangs with. So we have to trust her and she has to trust us and we're all doing our best. And so there's just um, a level of relinquishing, you know, control and, ho- and you know, we can, I mean, what can we do? We don't know the future. We just try every day to be safe, washing hands, wearing the mask and all that. So we're all on board in that way. And I, I'm hopeful that we stay healthy. I think that a lot of people are doing that. Like even my little family has been doing that with like a couple of families. Um, You know, my stepdaughter goes back to another household with her own family and we're around that family. 
Um, and that's like part of our bubble. We've got a friend group that we are around, you know, we go to their backyard and play sometimes. And because we know that they're really careful, but I think people are naturally getting to that point where I think if you already have a family with kids, you have a couple of people, like you said, Michelle, that are in your trusted bubble, whether it's your au pair or the backyard play group that you have. And when you're dating and single, it looks the same, right? Like you might have some work friends that you're really like, okay with being around or like, once you get to a certain point of online dating or FaceTime dating with somebody and you want to actually meet out in like a socially distant safe way, you can move it to that natural step once you've trusted this these people to make the safe decisions that you think everyone's making and of course any exposure there's always a risk but like you said Michelle calculated risk right like yeah unless you're in locked in your room and not even opening your door to touch the mailbox like there's a there's a chance you're going to get something so you yeah. just have to sort of like not throw caution to the wind and be irresponsible, but yes, realize that you're taking a risk, but with like a calculated group of people. And then you mentioned like, so you took this calculated risk and went on a trip. So, um, and you felt safe after the fact. And I can attest, we did a summer trip, same thing. I was super nervous about it with like a two month old baby, but like after the fact, yeah, I did realize like you more in my head, it was safer than I thought. And we were being safe. So it was okay. And thank God everyone came out not catching anything but like you guys went on this trip this was also to celebrate your 10 year anniversary first of all I was at your wedding what <laughs> in the hell that was 10 years ago like that is so does not seem right I know I know 10 years that's a long time when we just say it and yet it's flown by it has flown by I feel like first of all that was one of the most fun weddings I've ever been to and p.s guys I think the most hungover I've ever been in my life the next day, or at least top five. Like, yeah, I was going to say, I've been with you for some hangovers and that was pretty rough, but happy anniversary, Michelle, obviously. And we are like, so grateful to hear such success stories like yours because it gives all of us single people hope. But tell us now, how did you meet? Because obviously 10 years ago was very much before dating apps. Oh my God, seriously. I had to depend on a trusty, trusty friend, Lauren. Actually. Oh my God. <laughs> it's old school. Yeah, it was Lauren and cinnamon rolls. That Those were the two keys to my success with my husband. Do tell. What is it? What does the cinnamon roll have to do with this? Well, cinnamon rolls tend to attract handsome guys that want to have a, a nice little treat before a football game. So Lauren uh, let me tag along to bring cinnamon rolls to her then boyfriend. And I went along and Jaron, my husband, was there. And we just kind of sat across the table and stared at each other for a while. And then because I was skeptical because Lauren showed me his picture in like the university, uh, what's it called? Like the handbook for the football team. And I was like, yeah, I don't know about that. You know how we are. And this, again, this was before like all of the social and all the stuff. So there was not like 15 pictures. Like this was like a printed picture, just one. But luckily I took the took the opportunity to go and meet him. And then um, it was really just hanging out with Lauren for a few times after that. And, and then we were kind of, it just organically grew into a loving relationship. Well, it, it, Michelle, it's funny that you mentioned that because I do not remember the cinnamon rolls. I remember something, but that's funny that you said that. But it what it's like 
that was the version of the dating app, right? Like you saw the profile picture, which would have been essentially what she's talking about, like a yearbook photo of Jaren. Like it was like a black and white thumbnail shot of like this guy, like it looks like a yearbook photo. Like, how are you supposed to tell if you like somebody by that? But Michelle took like my talking about him because I knew him, which would have essentially been like the dating profile, which would have said like, Jaron likes to, Jaron plays football at Stanford and he likes to, you know, he's funny and whatever. That was me. That was my job. Like I gave her his profile show. We looked at the photo and then she went, okay, I'm going to give it a shot. And like, uh, and just like in dating apps, right? Like I did dating apps and so does Jen. Like you can be very skeptical from those things. Like it is very hard to establish what you think you're, you're going to like or not like. It can be either or. You can be like, oh my God, this guy's so hot and his profile is great. And then you meet him and it's like, eh. or mm, maybe I don't know if I'm going to like this guy. And then you meet him and it's like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like you and Jaren. Same thing with looking at a house. You could see a house on the MLS on or whatever, and then be like, oh, I don't know about this. And then get there and be like, holy crap this is great. This could be a good flip or vice versa. Like the pictures make it look real great. And then you get there and you see in the details, you're like, Oh, this isn't so cute. Like it's all about being open and like trusting either your friend that's setting you up or the dating app or the real estate agent, and then getting in there and being open to receiving things and like making your own choice once you're there and then trusting yourself. Right. Ultimately. Right. Exactly. I like my favorite analogy is like driving down a dark road at night with headlights on and you drive, you can only see what, I don't know, the next 30 yards, 50 yards. And, but you keep driving because you just know that the road will continue to unfold. And so you just have to take that one little next step or drive that little bit further and it keeps going. I love that. And that's like very poetic because it's like a, you know, mysterious dark drive and this turns into a rom-com. So you seem to know a lot of things about relationships, given that you've made it last for 10 years, at least the marriage part. So that means you've been together even longer and you've got two beautiful kids. So what would you say is like your secret or secrets for success in relationships? That is, um, that's a big question. So I don't think there's like one simple answer because I think if there was, then we wouldn't have the complexity of human relationships. But I think it's kind of persistence and perseverance, just like with work, just like with any goal, you know, like if you want to be in a relationship, then you want to be in a relationship. And unless, unless your true, you know, inner voice is saying like, this is a red flag or I don't, you know, you have to kind of be in touch with yourself about when it's time to move on. But otherwise, like, you you just have to be committed to it and kind of say, all right, like, I, I knew he was great. There was part of me that was like, but we're too young. Or like, you know, this, you know, my father died during some time. And I was just like, fuck the whole world. Like, I'm, I'm I don't care about this relationship. I, I couldn't see past like my sadness and depression for like a whole year. Um, but like, moving forward, I guess. And, and then some of the like specifics I would say is, you know, being vulnerable, like saying things that are hard, uh, whether that's something kind that might be like, uh, embarrassing or something you're not used to kind of showing your feelings in those ways, or saying something that like, is about your past and who you are and what you come from, which I've even only in the most recent year together, like, 
I've told him things about my past that I just felt shameful about. And then when I finally told him, he was like, okay. He's like, did you want to tell me anything else? And I'm like, oh my God, I was so scared to tell you that. So I think being, being vulnerable like that. And then I think, um, kind of just checking in, like the balance going back and forth, like giving and receiving, like, oh, you know, he's done something so kind for me, like being grateful for that, expressing that. And then also like taking your turn when it's time to, to go out of your way to do something, to be selfless. Um, those are all when I kind of reflect, like, those are things that I think have helped us make it through a lot of hard times and, and good times and enjoy the good times as well. I think it's important to those are really all really great things. And actually, you may not know this, but unique, we ask that question a lot. And that's a, a pretty unique answer. Um, I don't know that I've ever heard anybody else repeat it that way. There is no one recipe like secret for success, like you said, but we love to get everyone's insight on that. And um, your, your points were like really, really relatable and awesome. And I agree with all them. Like, yeah, giving and receiving is huge. Like that goes into love languages, which we talk about a lot, but like, you know, it recognizing that it works for the good and the bad times is like, something I think that in this pandemic we've talked about a lot too, like the um, positives and negatives of any moment. Like you can be, you know, we ask, how are you doing to everyone? And like a lot of people are like, I'm doing great, but I kind of feel bad about it. Like, don't feel bad. Like you can have moments of like this pandemic sucks, but also I'm learning stuff too. That's like in a relationship, right? Like, yeah, there's moments where I'm, you know, giving more than I'm receiving or vice versa. And you just have to recognize that everything has a balance and just working on keeping that balance is really, really important. You also mentioned going through hard times, good times and hard times. I don't know if it was exactly a hard time because you guys came out, you know, on top, but you, you had a long distance relationship. I know this obviously because Michelle is a very dear friend of mine where you were in Italy for like, what was it, Michelle, a year? Yeah, solid year. And you and Jaren had already established a relationship at this point, correct? Like, how long had you been together at that point? I think it might have been, like, six months. Like, it wasn't that long, but it was long enough for us to be, like, in love. Yes. And so you went away with a foundation, at least. It wasn't like you had dated him for two weeks. You had, you know, he knew all your friends. He'd known your family, vice versa. You went to Italy, and you stayed together through minimal contact, which is sort of like pandemic world now, like, (laughs) how did you guys like, what are some, because I think that it could help people like dating in a pandemic right now, or anybody who might just be in a long distance relationship, because like virtually there's so much connection now with technology that you didn't have before. Like you and Darren couldn't FaceTime when you were in Italy, that wasn't a thing. So what are some tips to like, maybe potentially successful long distance relationship, or maybe just not being able to see your partner as much as you'd like? Um, so first of all, we did not FaceTime, but we did. I It was like that time when there was like the little webcam that looked like a big eyeball that sat on top of your computer. Yes. <laughs> we had that. And I used to like set it on top of my computer when I was at work. Cause I had like an internship there. And he would just like stare at me while I worked because it was 11 p.m. his time and 8 a.m. my time. So that was interesting. Um, So we did our best with that, you know, and I think it was that giving, like it was that giving. And maybe that's the thing. It's, It's like if you personally just focus on what you can give, 
so much else will just work itself out. You you will receive as a result. So like when I was thinking of going, he, I was so nervous because like, you know, if you're in a great relationship all of a sudden, like it's scary to be like, I'm just going to walk away from this. But he recognized that in me. And he like, one night he brought me a CD with like all these great hits. And he told me like, take a bath and think about it. And just know that I'll be here for you when you get back. And as soon as he said that, I was like, oh, my God. Like, it was still hard to leave because I loved him, but I knew he was willing to let me do it. And that was such a gift that it made me actually more connected to him. So um, that was a big part of it. And then, like, you know, somehow we had all of those, like, still early, like, love pheromones connection, like, happening over emails over these little webcam sessions and um I used to wake up in the middle of the night to listen to his football games just like audio and he I know he appreciated that and that was like one little thing that I could do to give myself to him and it was obviously not fun to wake up in the middle of the night but I did it and then like I surprised him once I showed up I I scheduled a flight and I like showed up one night and that was a huge surprise obviously because I came from Italy so I think finding little moments and at the end they really add up because they're like, wow, what a special person who would do that for me, who would go out of their way to like, let me go to Italy and say they're going to stay committed to me or who would show up and surprise me like that just makes that person feel special. And that is a beautiful like human connection. Michelle pointed this out too. And Jen, it specifically relates to you, but I think it will relate to some other people too, is that a hard time that you touched on Michelle is that when your father passed away, you and Jaron hadn't been married yet. And you, that was obviously hard for you. Everyone deals with that differently, but like after Italy and you guys going through that and coming out, you know, in love still, and then this thing comes about, um, and you aren't even married yet, but you know, Jaron, I'm sure showed up for you in ways that you now reflect back on and feel like were part of the reason why you married him. And then part of some characteristics that going into the future together, whether it's good or bad, are things about him that you really admire and love and respect. Like, were there some some ways or specific things that he showed up for you in that, those really hard moments? Because like, that's something that we all are in our ages now dealing with like parents passing away or people who are really close to you in your life, like that becomes more of a reality as you get older. So what, what sticks out to you in those moments that Jaron like showed up and how do you think that helped? Yeah, I think that uh, when that all happened and it was like totally one of those things where my dad died very suddenly, it was just a shock to the system. Like, you know, a couple of days later after I emerged from my mom's house where I kind of just hold up, you know, for the begin for the first week, probably actually while we went through all the services, like I remember driving back into San Francisco where we lived at the time and just like the whole world lost its luster and I felt totally lost. And I think I experienced that feeling for the better part of a year. And during that time, he, we just had these moments. So like one was just a total breakdown. I mean, I can't even tell you, I cried all the time, but like a total breakdown where I was just like, it's done. Like, what is the point here? Like, I can't, you know, like we were talking about a relationship, but I was really just in pain. And he was like, in that moment, he was just like, you could tell he was at a crossroads. Like, do I 
accept what she's saying, like we're done, or do I realize that she is in a like a veil of a dark place because she's sad? And I guess that was his, where he made the choice of like, no, we are not giving up on this. Like I'm not walking away and you're not walking away either. And he basically like put it down. And then I was able to kind of like then go back to him. Like he just kind of took the stand in that moment where I needed him to. And other than that, I mean, listening, letting, like accepting, like I never wanted to go out that year. And we used to go out, you know, to bars and clubs all the time. And like, I rarely did that. And he kind of just like, let me go through that. And a lot of times just sat, you know, stayed home with me and all that. I mean, I think our sex life was like a shit that year. Um, So I guess like persistence and perseverance, like just saying like the core of this person is someone I still love. And like, this is just what they're going through. And I'll, I'll go through that with them. Well, that sounds like for better or worse, if I've ever heard it. So it makes sense then why after him showing up for you and being such a rock for you, you would take the next step into marriage. You know, people always think that you know somebody so well in your first three months and you're in love and, and you couldn't possibly know more about them because you're experts in each other. But really, as time goes on, you do peel back the layers and continue to learn more about each other as it goes on. So milestone after milestone, you were dealing with being long distance and then the loss of your father and like what that brings to your dynamic as well as you personally, obviously. But then you get married and then you start to make these next big milestones in your dynamic together, such as purchasing your first home and obviously having kids and things. So were there things, I guess, that continued to show themselves during these more difficult times as you went on? Yeah, I think, you know, when we... There's, he's much, he, like, he, he's willing to take on more risk financially. So I always have to like, I'm, I'm a risk taker too, but like, I'm a little bit more tempered with money stuff. Cause I don't know. I just, I have that in me. So we, you know, we kind of like, when we started looking, we found this like piece of crap condo, but it was in a good location. And we we're like, yeah, this works. The layout worked. It was a total disaster. Um, there was like AstroTurf in the master bed bathroom, if that gives you any idea of what the rest of the place looked like. I can attest to this. It was horrific. <laughs> uh, it was gross. And we were like, okay, well, uh, maybe we could just make this work. And we did. We kind of just like both had the willingness to go through it. And I give him credit for that. Like he's he's usually not the one to say no to some kind of adventure or risk like that. Um, so and then through the renovation process, that's where I actually saw some challenges. Like he had much more of an opinion than I would have liked him to have. And I like my, the stereotype of like the girl decides the design and the guy just goes along with it. Well, like that was not my experience. So I had to like negotiate and have like, I had one of my friends kind of come in as like a neutral third party. And I don't know, that was, you know, there was compromise there that I probably didn't want to make but overall we got through it and like we had a cute condo so I had a you know I I look back at it and it was it was okay it was a learning experience yeah it it did end up being really cute and also like I think that I don't know I mean it ended up being sort of a good choice maybe a happy accident accident because the design choices that you made together 
Um, I think because you probably had to compromise and maybe he did too, it made it like kind of buyer friendly for a resale because sometimes you have to think about some future decisions when you're in real estate and in relationships like, okay, this is a condo. How long do we see ourselves here for? Um, it's a stepping stone. You tell that to your real estate agent too, right? Like that's something that you want a couple or a buyer single, or like I said, in a couple to tell you like, this is going to be our forever home, or this is going to be our starter home, or we want to flip this, like that's helpful information. So then that, that makes you, you know, conscious when you're making choices of renovation or not, like you probably, you and Jaren probably because you had to compromise with things ended up making a very buyer friendly design choice in your condo. And therefore you made some great decisions and were able to resell and then move up into a more like a forever home, which is where you're at now. And that's something that, um, I think people need to be open to remembering in real estate too, right? Like you want to, again, be conscious of where you're starting and what this, the home that you're purchasing is what that's doing for you. Is it forever? Is it a flip? Is it a couple years? And then also if you're walking into a house, like for example, Michelle sold me, my house to me and my husband. And when we walked into this one, it was like frightening. And we knew that we were going to renovate and like, you know, we had to have those open eyes. Right. And, and Michelle was like very helpful in going through the process with us and saying like, yeah, you can do this or that, try this or that. She was said, you were kind of like the matchmaker to our relationship with our home. I mean, that's kind of like what a real estate agent does, right? Like points out the positives is realistic about the negatives. So you know what you're getting into. And we, we felt like we really did. We, we knew what we were getting into and it ended up being great. But I think you do learn some compromise in the process, even with your real estate agent. Like we were in compromise with you too, because there were definitely things where we were like, oh, we have to let go of that. Oh, no. Right. I know. It, it's, it is a negotiation the whole way through between you and your partner, like you're saying, and also between you and the seller. And like, you have to remember that with negotiations, like, again, the balance will tip one way or the other, but like, hopefully it's enough of a win-win. And if you give here, maybe you get over here. And the other realistic thing to know is just like, there is no perfect home. So yeah, like, what are your big goals? And what's your big why? Like, why are you buying a home? You guys wanted to get in, you wanted to get into the market, because you knew that you wanted to have equity growth at your back, the wind at your back while market in LA kept keeps growing, which it does. It just keeps growing. So you have that. And then also what I loved about what you guys did was that James was going to get in there and with some elbow grease, like be able to fix things up. So we were able to kind of like look for those opportunities. Um, and you know, that can come in a lot of different, like, it depends on what your thermostat is for that. And Jen, you and I are kind of talking about this now because it's like, okay, there are easy things to fix. And then there are like big fixers. And it's not always like fixer upper where it's a total disaster. Some things are just like, hey, if you replace like countertops, repaint these cabinets, like put some paint, paint the tile, you don't even have to replace the tile. Like there's really minimal things you can do to like upgrade a space. 
Is that typical of a real estate agent to do? Like, obviously, we have a relationship via Lauren, which is great. And that's how we were set up for this process. But is that typical of a real estate agent to do? Like, should people know that they can lean on their real estate agent in that way? I think that depends on the agent. Like for me, that's one of my just, first of all, it's somewhat intuitive. And also it's just a passion for me. So when I walk in, I can kind of see the things that matter that are not fixable. And then there are the things that are just like, don't even stress about that. We'll get that fixed. And I have like six handymans that can do that. But like, what is the light? Like, what is the location? I told you, like, let's put as much money into like the location as possible because you can buy a house. And in 10 years, when your financial situation is different, you could literally take that house down to the studs and just build a new house, like your dream house, but you can never move the plot. So if you don't like the location and you intend for it to be your forever home, like think about that Um, because financial situations change all the time. So um, I think a good realtor is definitely going to guide you down that path and at least open your eyes to those ideas and possibilities so that you can then make the best choice for you. Obviously, we know Lauren set the two of us up to find me a property. But when someone's looking for a real estate agent, are there certain things they should consider almost like, you know, dating, like maybe not everyone's going to be a good fit? Absolutely. Like, I mean, the whole like first impression thing is real, you know, in dating and in the human that's going to take you through this process. Um, This person is going to be a fairly big part of your life for a period of time, especially once you find the place and you're kind of going through the contract and and all that. Okay, so you need someone that knows what they're doing. So, you know, for me, like I'll tell my clients, like I study real estate, I'm investing in real estate, like I listen to the podcast, I read books, I go to training classes, which my brokerage, Keller Williams, is super focused on. Um, so I'm spending a lot of my time in improving my own knowledge, skills, and abilities. And I think that is something that I get to then pass on to my clients. Um, so having someone like that would matter. I think, um, you know, looking at past reviews, like I have at this point amassed a decent amount of reviews that then new clients can go look at, whether it's on Yelp or Google, and see what other people say. Obviously, we live in the world of reviews with like Amazon and, and such. So that's important. Um, and then I think it's hard to always gauge this in the beginning, but like maybe if the realtor, when I have conversations, I let my potential clients know, like this is an emotional process. And of course, contracts are contracts and transaction process is what it is. And like, I know how to get through that, but also like I will be here for you and for the other side of the transaction emotionally. I can deal with personalities. I can deal with like fear and breakdown and anxiety because that's normal and that's okay. And, um, I'll get you through that. And so like uh, having someone like that, and I know Lauren, when we were doing it, like James was really honest and was like, I kind of like that, you know, we're working with you and you're a woman because it feels like this is, um, a personal thing and I might be vulnerable and um, like have challenges emotionally through it. And it's like, I feel like you'll be able to be more adept to that. I think that was true. I think that kind of happened a little bit. Yeah, it definitely did. And for whatever reason, that's how he felt comfortable. So he expressed that. And I think that knowing, feeling that, get, gauging that chemistry, if you will, between you and your real estate agent is something that you have to pay attention to in the first or so impression for you, Michelle, on your side and for the the buyers too. I mean, it's it really is so, so similar to dating. Um, 
And I think then there's so many dynamics. It's so layered. It is an emotional process. What is your advice for like single people who want to invest in property? Like how do you sort of tap into the the fear and the vulnerability of like somebody who might be feeling like scared to do this by themselves and like how would you support them in that and and feel like you can get in there and really say some like personal things to help them through that like you got to gauge the moment right because you don't want to step on toes you're like trying to do something business but then you're also in this emotional world too so like what would you say to someone like Jen for example who might say like I'm single and I want to invest in property but I'm scared like what should I do yeah. So I feel like with this, oh my God, it's just so much, it, it does reflect relationship and having kids and like everything. But, um, so when, when emotions come in, my favorite thing is to remember to just like transition to facts. So like you're freaking out because you know, you can't, uh, uh, let's just say, you know, a lot of people in LA, for example, or California in general have family from out of state. And these people like look at us in California and go like, you guys are crazy. Real estate is crazy. Like you can't afford that. And then that gives us anxiety, especially when it's coming from people we love and trust. Um, but then we have to say, well, what are the facts? Like how much money do you have to put down? Like, these are just like numbers. This is math. We can go back to it. Okay. And if you do this and you can afford your monthly payment, oh, by the way, your monthly payment will never change for that course of that 30-year mortgage. You are locked in. In fact, it could go down significantly, like is the case for a friend of mine that just refinanced is now saving $1,000 a month. She's paying 1000 less every month on her mortgage. We are refinancing and going to save $350 a month, whereas with rent, you can expect that to go up every year. Like if their landlord is being an active and probably good landlord, like your rent's going up 5 to 8% every year. And that really can add up. And so you have actually more certainty um, when you're buying than when you're renting. And um, this has come up a lot, a lot. Like even um, my sister was buying and I had to kind of like, she obviously had her own realtor. She was in a different state, but I had to like walk through that with her. Like, let's go back to the facts. Like what is that? Like they were going to literally have a mortgage less than their rent. And it was still really getting to her husband in his head. Like, this is scary. We're getting a mortgage. You're like on the hook for this huge asset and this huge general bill of like hundreds of thousands of dollars. But it's like, look, you're not asked to be, you're not being asked to pay that up front. You're going to be asked to pay one set amount every month, just like you pay your rent. So effectually, like in effect, your life doesn't actually change. And if anything, now you have an asset. Now think of it also this way. I, this is just, this is great. I love talking about this because it's all about just information and understanding facts. Once you do, it like takes the emotion out. So think Wait, of- I actually want to interject because something great about you is again, that you do sort of go back to the like brass tacks and like, what is the reality? And you had me come in and just have like an info session because I was like, wait, I have one income. Like, shouldn't I wait until I've got like a second income by like, you know, buying property with a partner, but you're like, let's just see what you get approved for. And then talk about what you're looking for in a property and then go from there. And I was like, Oh, I mean, I can handle a conversation and that would be interesting to know to check the temperature of my ability to purchase. So Then from there, we were talking about the next step. And I was like, oh, okay. So if I can afford that on my own, like 
I feel a bit more confident and now I know what I can look at when I'm surfing the web. And so, and then, you know, obviously by process of elimination, we talked more about what I was interested in and the key criteria in each place, like safety, for instance, if I'm living alone, parking for guests because I am living alone, but I don't want to be alone. So I'm like, I need my guests to have parking. Um, Also central location so that I avoid alienating myself while I could probably get a bigger property if I move further out of the city, at the end of the day, is that going to change my quality of life? Potentially. So it's been a really great process going through it all with you. And I guess I've sort of taken it as like, well, you're a friend, so I can unload on you, but you've come back with great business points and made it, you know, relate back to what I'm actually investing in, not just myself, but this property that could become a rental unit when I do get married. And then I keep it and it's this Thing that I bring to the table because I've now gone mm-hmm. out and done it myself. Yeah, you have an asset now and, and it's something that is like great for you and potentially great for a partner too. And then let's just say you get to that next step, Jen, or you will when you want, like you're then now you're part of a partnership and you're looking for a house and you call Michelle up and you're like, okay, now, you know, me and my husband are looking for a home. Like what Michelle, and you like, you did this with James and I, but and you've done this with plenty of other couples, I'm sure. What do you think is some things that stick out to you that happen often that are like, okay, these are some really good points that people need to get real about. It's it's just like a relationship, right? Everything looks seems so romantic and beautiful. And oh, I watched um, rom-coms and this is what my relationship looks like. Or, oh, I watched Fixer Upper and this is what it's going to be like when I fix my house up. Like, Let's get real for a second and, and not to take the sheen off because it's fun, but like, what do couples or I guess a single person need to know about getting real about real estate? What are some real facts that you think you should point out so that it's not such a hard shock to the system when these things come up because they will, and you can kind of mentally prepare. Do you mean like, especially within couples? I would say, yeah, let's go with let's go with couples um, because I think it probably ties into communication and how the whole dynamic is working as well. But yeah, like for couples specifically, what would what would some good points be so they can mentally prepare? Like these are the real facts, so just know they're coming and don't be shocked by them. Yeah, I mean, I think that. Um having the conversation about, and this is, and I do, this is like a buyer. When I sit down with like potential buyers, again, Jen made a great point. Like this is informational. When you sit down with me, it's informational. It costs you nothing. When I connect you with a great lender, that's highly reputable. It costs you nothing to have that conversation and see what you could be approved for based on your personal financials. So like, if you realistically can't take the time out of your weekly schedule, like somewhere in your week to send a copy of your driver's license, a copy of your paycheck stub. And like, I don't even know, they don't ask very much information to this lender so they can work up some numbers. Like then you're probably not ready to like go down the path. There is going to be some time and commitment required, but honestly it's, it's well worth it at the end of the day when you have that asset. Um, so, you know, taking the time and knowing that, and, and then once you're in the process, it's a little bit like, We'll buckle up because for 30 days while we're in escrow, people are going to be emailing you and making a lot of requests. It's not going to kill you, but it's going to mean like 
when you get home from work at night, you might have to spend an hour like sending documents to someone via email or filling out a form or whatever it is. So like that's part of it. And that's just logistical. And then I think the other thing with couples specifically, or um, even someone single, like what is your, what is your goal here? Like, you know, even you guys, Lauren, you guys bought this house, but with the intention of like, this is probably not our forever home, but we're going to make it great nonetheless, because that's the thing. It doesn't mean you can't make it great. In fact, what you do to it for yourself will end up benefiting you in the future. So I just actually randomly connected with the woman that just bought our old condo. She bought it this year in March and she reached out to me because she had my mail randomly. And she was like, oh my, I told her we renovated the whole thing. She was like, wow, did you guys put in that, you know, built-in shelving? And I go, yeah, we did that. She's like, that is what sold it for me. And I mean, this is, she. they spent $630,000 on this condo and this $1,500 built-in shelving we put in is what sold her on it. And so you realize like you can you can do a lot if you just go with your intuition and you can there's a lot of value that you may not even realize today that will come down the road um so understanding why you're buying a property what is gonna what's it gonna take for you to be happy with it but also not expecting like it to be this amazing perfect situation and really understanding the big picture of like you're still achieving a really big feat and benefit for your future by doing something now. Take everything that you just said and apply it to a relationship and it totally works. Like I literally just listened to everything you said as if you were giving me relationship advice and it it hit every single like good point that I think you could have hit. Like it literally transfers and it makes so much sense. Like they are so closely related. And I think I will say, I think that you are Obviously, I know you and I'm biased and you're a friend of mine, but you're very smart and and that is helpful in any aspect of your life. But I think the fact that you have a successful like marriage and relationship with your husband and are also a successful real estate agent, like I think they go more hand in hand than you think. And I think that those skills and characteristics really work for both, you know, both forms there. And I think that it is something to think about when purchasing real estate, because it can be so emotional. And I think that, um, and it's because it's something that you could potentially do with a partner, it all kind of intertwines and it's all connected. And it's kind of like, without sounding cheesy, it's kind of like a beautiful little connection there. And I think it it's what makes you good at your job and what makes you a good wife and mom. And I, you know, everything you, you said here was so helpful. And I think we're all like taking notes for sure. Right, Jen? I mean. Yeah. And also we're going to buy a property this year because Michelle and I are setting out to do so for me. So I am a firm believer that at least dip your toe in if you're listening and you're curious, go make connections with a realtor, start doing the first step of this process and just see where it takes you. Because ultimately the goal I think is to be your best self and to live your life to the fullest, especially the world we're living in in 2020. Like we don't have time to waste on, um, you know, I'll just wait to buy property when, when I'm in a relationship or, 
I'll just do that next time or next year or in the future. Like we don't know what the future holds. So I'm really grateful that we started this process now because it makes me feel really in control of my destiny as it relates to what I am capable of. And the fact that I now know I can afford something because a mortgage lender told me I can. And it now crosses that off the list of things I was maybe insecure about or felt like I couldn't do on my own because I'm not there yet in my life or why am I behind other people that are able to do that and and it really gave me some clarity I think on where I'm at in my adult life and what I'm looking for also in the very near future it really honed in on that so I think just even having these conversations really opens up that lens for any of us so that we know what we're capable of and I think we are very grateful for your time and your help in both Lauren buying a house and me in the future buying something. So where can everyone find you so they can reach out to you with questions or potentially work with you and reach you on the social medias? Social medias. Yes, I'm there. Um, Michelle with two L's, crochet, you know, like you're making a sweater, C-R-O-C-H-E-T. L-A is my handle. Michelle Crochet L-A is my handle and also my website. Great. So everyone can find you on Instagram, see all the houses you're selling, see your beautiful family. And then you say too that you're real estate and real life, right? Like you got to see yeah. it all. And then she works for Keller Williams in LA. So you can find her there if you were, you want to do business with her. She is awesome. We can attest. And we can also attest that you're in for a great show next week. So please tune in for an all new episode where we talk more dating and relationshipy stuff with our guest, tarot card reader Whitney Walker so pumped and if you want to join the class of master daters don't forget to follow us on the social meds at complicated show and it's complicated wherever you get your podcast to rate comment and tell a friend you can follow me at Lauren Lee and Ellie and you can follow me at Jennifer Golden we'll talk with you next week love you long time you're listening to it's complicated with your hosts Jennifer Golden and Lauren Lee and Ellie 